1: Money and finances, they're major parts of our lives, so why are we so bad with them? We talk to Junior Achievement about their financial literacy classes and what they're doing to turn the situation around for our young people here in the state. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello I'm Brian Scott Smith. Money and finances are the cornerstone of all of our lives from the salary we make at work to the mortgage payment on our home or our rent to the products and services we buy to the food we purchase at the supermarket. So why are we all so bad when it comes to dealing with money and financial issues? Debt has become commonplace in our society and credit often too easy to obtain creating unhealthy financial situations for many. But things are about to change, at least here in Connecticut, as Governor Lamont signed into law earlier this year that will require high school students to complete and pass a course in personal financial management and financial literacy in order for them to graduate public high schools in a bid to better educate future generations when it comes to dealing with money. I caught up with Jeremy Race, CEO and president of an organization called Junior Achievement of Southwest New England that has been providing financial literacy courses to students here in Connecticut on a volunteer basis with a frank discussion about why we are so bad with money and what needs to happen to change the status quo. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me, Brian.
1: Exciting times here in Connecticut. I say exciting. I mean, one could actually say perhaps it should have happened a long time ago, but the governor recently announced that in high school to graduate coming this fall onwards in 2023, high schoolers will have to undertake a form of financial literacy program or financial management programming to help them educate. How exciting is this for you? Because your organization has been around for a number of years and already you're here in Connecticut and you're providing that on a voluntary basis.
0: Yeah. No, I mean I think I think most people will, will agree that financial education is, is critically important. You know, we, we teach young people how to drive a car and that takes months and almost a year to learn how to drive a car, but yet we're not to the extent that we probably should be is teaching young people how to manage their finances and, and make smart financial decisions that, you know, will affect their future. So I think we're we're hopeful that Jay can truly be helpful in you know helping Bring this law into fruition with with many schools here in connecticut
1: You guys, as we said, you are the president and CEO. You have a big team of people behind you. I mean, what was the impetus for you to create the organization that that you did and which obviously is now supplying, as I say, a variety of different courses and programs, not only in this country, but obviously worldwide? What was the impetus behind that?
0: I think, I mean, JA has been around, you know, nationally for over 100 years. And I think we've been in Connecticut for probably 70 plus years. The thought process was, you know, we need to teach young people at that point. You know the power of entrepreneurship and how business creation can drive the economy. So for many years of JA's history, the real focus was on business creation and entrepreneurial concepts. And you know, probably forty plus years ago, you know, junior achievement started to evolve, and then at that point, started to teach. Financial literacy and started to teach, you know, work, uh, work readiness and and those have now become our, our three pillars, Brian. So now we have, you know, financial literacy, work readiness, and entrepreneurship make up the fabric of what junior achievement
1: uh, teaches on a daily basis. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, and we're not trying to, so like, you know, um, step on anyone's toes here. But why do you think nobody has actually really grasped this, and we've had this in schools, you know, as a standard because it is such an important thing, isn't it? A lot of us, I mean, even at my age, I can. Probably still do with a financial, so like literacy program to help me in certain regards.
0: Yeah, listen. I mean, I, I've I've made no mistake. I've been a, I've been with Junior Champion for twenty two years, and I've I've been very honest with people saying, I wish I had this stuff when I was younger. It would have spared me a lot of personal debt and and probably some bad financial decisions. You know, in my twenties, which is when a lot of those you know kind of fortunately sometimes bad decisions get made by young people. I think there's lots of reasons. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know all the reasons, but I think there's there's a lot of things that need to get taught in schools. And we fully understand that. And I think, you know, it's, it's taken some time, but you know, financial literacy, I think people are starting to realize that if we wait too much longer, you know, are we doing our young people a disservice? Right. I mean, there's a pretty unfortunate stat that I've talked about in in recent years that in America, 42% of Americans have less than a thousand dollars in their savings account. Think about that. Right. So, that's pretty scary. That's not even enough to, you know, carry, a, carry uh, your your rent or your car payments or your bills. So if junior achievement and others can now finally get in front of more young people and teach them, that would certainly prevent a lot of debt and, and other bad decisions from being made. So I think, you know, Brian, my sense is there's just enough of these stats have been talked about in, 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 a, in a more powerful way that people are starting to realize we have to do something to try to get ahead of this.
1: What is interesting is when you look at our education systems, be they here in the U.S. or elsewhere around the world, I mean, you know, we get taught math and we get taught English, you know, all of those essentials. But finance is the cornerstone of everything. I mean, you know, when you do leave, when you, as you say, when you get a job, you know, understanding you know, what you're getting paid and maybe paying into sort of like a 501k or so like a, a pension. If you get a property understanding, you know, leasing agreements or understanding about a mortgage, it really does seem quite startling that we just haven't taken this seriously for so long.
0: It's that's the million dollar question. A lot of us are, are good at spending money, right? And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, again, I'm not gonna pretend to know all the answers here. But I think, you know, maybe as a generation, we're now realizing that, you know, we want our, our kids to not go through the struggles that we did and by learning to save and, you know, what is a viable income to make and support a family. And that's part of financial literacy is helping young people understand that, you know, making smart decisions sometimes hurts too, right? I mean, you're, you're, there's opportunity costs. If you're going to save, you know, 10 or 20% of your, your income, you know, that means you're not spending that 10 or 20% on, on other things. But I think once you start to teach young people things like compound interest and how stock market works and how bank accounts works and how money markets and, and 401ks, to your point, and pension, you start to show people that, hey, if, if you save X now at the age of whatever, 20, 21, here's what those dollars can be when you retire. And people you know now start to understand that Social Security may not be here forever. I mean that was counted on by our parents generation and generations before that. So again, I just think that that there's enough things happening in the world now that that are finally made people realize, you know, this 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 really is important and we should have folks like hopefully Junior Achievement at the forefront of trying to help our our kids learn these valuable concepts.
1: Talk to us a little bit about some of the the work that you have been doing here in Connecticut, because, like you said, you've been doing that for a while, and and you're hoping. I understand that your organization has contacted the Connecticut Department of Education, obviously as you know a, a current vendor to say, "Hey, you know we we would like to be part of this," and let's hope that that uh, that works out clearly for you. But talk to us a little bit about some of the work that you are currently doing.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean it's 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 exciting because you know. Part of the, the power of Junior Achievement is that many of our programs, Brian, are taught by volunteers. So when you get to to our, our pillar of financial literacy, for example, you know, we end up recruiting a lot of financial experts to teach our programs. You know, bankers, CFOs, people with finance degrees, and they're going into classrooms like during the regular school days. And what's powerful about what we're doing as well is, is Brian, we're actually bringing these financial literacy concepts to kids as young as kindergarten. You know, we're teaching young kids in kindergarten, first, second grade, you know, the value of a dollar, what it means, how you earn it, how you save it, you know, what are taxes, you know, just kind of basic concepts. But as they get older, we have curriculum that teaches them how to budget for themselves, how to how to pick a job that can earn them enough money to support their family. And you know, how much money should they spend on food each month and car and transportation and those kind of things. Again, these are these are concepts that that most students, most kids don't have a chance to experience. W- I've always liked to say that when kids go through junior achievement programs, they become adults for that experience. So I think part of it is just empowering these these students to think like an adult. I mean, I've had so many students come up to me in recent years and say, "You know, Mr. Race, I, I wish I had this when I was younger." Or, "Hey, could you teach my parents this?" So it's 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 such an interesting phenomenon that that financial literacy is is, is such an important topic, but it's not talked about still to to, to an extent that it probably should be. But, you know, the results are powerful. I mean, we have have data from junior achievement that shows that junior achievement students, so any students who have gone through junior achievement programs, end up earning 20% more than non-JA students. That's a pretty amazing statistic. And I think, again, it's because those young people better understand what it means and how it works.
1: I think it's also and, and I'm sure you're probably going to agree with this because certainly, you know, I come from the United Kingdom and even talking about money over there, you know, back then, it was almost considered like, a, oh, yeah, no, we don't talk about that. Why is it you think we've got this weird attitude about talking about money? I think it's changing because, I mean, I, I my generation grew up with that as well,
0: like the dinner table conversations, you know, you never you never asked your parents what their salaries were or stuff like that. I think that's changing, and I think you know we've always encouraged you know our, our volunteers when they're teaching, budgeting, and any kind of money concepts. You know, if you're comfortable, talk to the kids about real dollars, and and talk to them about a time in your life where maybe you had struggles, and and let them learn from those struggles. But I think the more you you show young people and and explain to them, you know, what money is. I heard someone speak recently. They talked. They talked recently. They talked about how everyone should at some point in their life figure out what their own personal relationship is with money. And I thought that was a very interesting way to think about it. You know, some people, their relationship is spending, some people saving, and some people, unfortunately, don't have a clue. But I think when you talk to young people and say, hey, you know, listen, if you make $50,000, here's what you can afford. If you make $100,000, here's what you can afford. If you make $150,000 a year, here's what you can afford. And you start to really break it down, I think that's when the light bulbs, you know, go off because the concept of what that means is is such a difficult thing to understand unless they really dig in through curriculum and experiences like we offer.
1: The other thing, of course, uh, and you touched upon this earlier when you were saying about the courses, is is work ready and entrepreneurship. We see in this country, and again, this is not just a, a US thing. I mean, obviously worldwide, we see more people want to start their own businesses, you know, be self employed or maybe they're freelancers. So obviously, they don't have the backing of a large organization behind them. So therefore, they have to take more responsibility, but also understand finances more. Is that another big thing that, you know, obviously that you, you push when you're doing these, as I say, the work ready, but also the entrepreneur aspects of your training is that there's a lot of things, you know, I think people just think they can start a business, but there's a lot to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we actually, we have actual semester long programs that teach young people, you know, how to start a business, but they, they have to literally dig in and do an entire business plan as a high school student and do market research and, and understand marketing and understand risk and understand you know all that goes into it. And and then we have an entire program where kids can actually then go and execute and run that real business with real dollars. I think mean, that's when that real learning takes place. I mean, it's when when it's hands-on, when it's something they can set a goal and, and work to achieve it. One of the big things we do is is career inspiration these days, Brian, and, and just getting young people to better understand their own skills and their own likes and, and what do they want to do? What do they want to be when they grow up? And if we can help connect those dots for them, help put them on a pathway, they'll be happier employees or happier business owners. If that's the case. If we can also build in that financial knowledge, then they'll be smarter, smarter business people as well.
1: Because we do seem to live, it, it seems that we we seem to live in a world of boom and bust. I mean, you know, getting hold of credit seems relatively simple-ish. You know, not everyone can get credit, but I mean, we do seem to live in this like rather throw throwaway world where we don't often give a lot of thought about these things. And then also then, I suppose, let's use the the situation recently, obviously, with the worldwide pandemic, we then sort of really expected the government to step in and help us all out with things. And, you know, that's not how we should be living life.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll say it again. I mean, it comes down to, you know, save, learning how to save money is a very challenging concept. It takes discipline. And I think again, kind of back to that stat I, I just shared with you, you know forty two percent of Americans have less than a thousand dollars in savings. If it were that easy, you know, more people would do it, right? So I, again, I think that's why the younger we can get in front of students at elementary, middle school, and then certainly by high school, get them to start practicing, not just learning, but practicing kind of what we're preaching, I really do think they'll they'll be better off.
1: And of course, any of these financial literacy courses, I mean, this must be a constantly evolving thing because, you know, the world changes, business changes, you know, finances change. So uh, this isn't really a one and done. I, I'm guessing it's more about creating foundation really in people's minds and then getting them to sort of like build upon that and just remind them that, yeah, this isn't this isn't it. You need to keep working on this.
0: It's, it's, it's like riding a bike, uh, teaching high school students some basic financial literacy is better than nothing but I think they'll be much better off if they start to get some repetition, right? Just like riding a bike. You want to get on it. You're going to fall a few times. You, you know, you're going to scrape your knees. You're going to get hurt a little bit, but then you bounce back up, right? You get back on the bike and, and same thing with finances, the same way you're going to make mistakes and you're going to you know have some ups and downs, peaks and valleys. But I think the more repetition, the more time over years that you, you build these concepts, the better. I mean, I think, again that's why you know we have programs that are some of them are shorter in duration you know a couple lessons to five or seven lessons but then we also have now semester long curriculum Brian that high schools can use for free right so they can actually utilize Junior achievement curriculum that teach things like financial literacy marketing business Communications economics entrepreneurship the kids can get grades in those programs you can use those as your basic curriculum they correlate to state standards and the other thing I'm working on is, that state colleges, universities in Connecticut I'm now talking to about, you know, would you potentially grant college credit for high school students who complete these courses and pass these courses? And, and Brian, the answer I'm getting is yes. I've already had three or four major universities in Connecticut say, yes, their curriculum is so strong. If high school students in any town in Connecticut take these courses, pass them, and then come to our university or college, we will grant them three credits. That's brand new. That's exciting. It's powerful. And, and I think, you know, it just, again, another demonstration that um, our stuff is pretty good.
1: What are some of the light bulb moments, you know, with some of the students when, you know, they're having some of this stuff uh, taught to them? Because it must, it must awaken them, I'm sure, in in many ways when they suddenly get told well actually the world does this and this is what you need to do can you maybe give us a couple of examples you mentioned obviously about the saving which of course as you've said on a couple of, of times throughout this interview is incredible that uh, you know people aren't saving enough money but any other things that people are just poor at or suddenly they wake up to once they're told about it
0: i think i'm back to, i come back to the salary i mean i think when you go into a classroom of you know sixth seventh eighth graders even ninth graders to some extent and you say, hey, you know, who, who in this room thinks $30,000 a year is a lot of money to make? And in 2023, when you still see half of the hands in that room get raised, it's eye-opening, right? Because then you start to go through, okay, well, let's talk about an average car payment, what that costs, an average cell phone bill and cable bill and and rent expense. And you start going through these expenses. And all of a sudden, as you're going through these, these exercises, kids realize, oh, wait a minute, Mr. Ray, I, we ran out of money. I said that's that's the point, right? So thirty thousand dollars actually isn't enough. Those light bulbs moment come come on when you see these young people start to understand. Okay, well maybe I need to make fifty or sixty and more. Those are light bulb moments. Light bulbs moments when when you have young people say things like after some of these curriculum these lessons, say, "Wow, now I get it. Why my mom and dad won't buy me those two hundred dollars sneakers that I've been begging them for, you know, for the past two years? Because at the time they don't they just, they just hear mom and dad saying no." But now they start to understand, well, wait a minute, that's a lot of money. And and I, I would just say, Mom or Dad, we'll put it on that plastic thing, that credit card. But then once kids start to understand what interest is, and all of a sudden those $200 sneakers over X number of months are now just making us up $240. And kids are well, they, hearing young people say, Well, wait a minute, why would I pay more than $200 if that's what they cost? Well, because that's what credit card debt is. Right. So I think I, the basic concepts that I think a lot of adults understand. But when you put into context for for young people in specific examples, those light bulbs go off like fireworks. It's unbelievable.
1: Apart from obviously what you've just said about you know teaching that and educating people about how far a dollar will actually go, stretching obviously their money, I'm guessing also this helps to teach people, young people, about the value of money as well. Yeah. Again,
0: it's a weird concept because I know these days – right? Most people don't use checks as much as, as they used to. And a lot of folks you know don't carry as much cash around in their wallets as they used to. So I think it's gotten even harder in some ways because that credit card, that debit card, at least in my opinion, from what I see, become kind of the primary vehicle to purchase things. So again, like you, you hear young people say, well, mom or dad says, I can't afford that. Well, just use that plastic thing, swipe it they have to understand what happens on the back end is that the money's getting taken out of that bank account you know to pay for that so back to one of your questions earlier about why now i think it's because it's become even harder because people see that plastic card and and have a difficult time understanding you know how it really works
1: and the other point i want to put to you as well um technology i mean obviously we live in a very technological world more things are going online do you th- also think that the technology sometimes isn't always as helpful as it could be because again it's so immediate and you know we subscribe to this and and suddenly that all gets lost in the in the digital noise as it were because we're just hitting a button and saying yes to everything and then don't suddenly realize how much that's all adding up to.
0: Yeah, listen, guilty as charged, right? I mean I, I'm 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 just as guilty as the rest of you know buying a lot of stuff that pop up in my Instagram feed or my Facebook feed and you know so for young people again, you know, they're being constantly inundated with you know, shopping, they're, be, they're basically being invited to shop, right? When when you and I were growing up, in order to go shopping, we had to have someone take us to a store, right? We had to make a conscious decision of, I need X, I'm going to go get X, and I might even save for X. But now, you, know, you can't go online for more than five seconds and be inundated with invitations and a lot, they, they seem personal to buy something and, and stuff that we like, right? So I think it's it's a tough world for sure. And I think the technology makes it even tougher, Brian.
1: Well, Jeremy Race, president and CEO of Junior Achievement of Southwest New England. It's been an absolute pleasure and an eye opener talking to you. Thank you for sharing uh, with us some insights and also about the work that your organization does and continues to do. And, uh, Obviously, it is important stuff, as we said. We'll uh, look forward to seeing what happens with the the new course here in Connecticut later this year. And uh, certainly, I'm sure we'll be coming back to you for some further financial advice in the future. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us on the podcast.
0: Thank you, Brian. Appreciate the opportunity.
1: Since recording my interview with Jeremy, I reached out to the Connecticut Department of Education to inquire what organisations they will be using to assist them with the new law that takes effect this fall of 2023, and have been told they are looking to partner with many organisations like Junior Achievement to help create resources for schools and educators. The Department of Education also stated they provide a Model 6 to 12 financial literacy curriculum and resources created with Next Generation Personal Finance in April of 2022 for use by all districts in the state and educators. Junior Achievement have also started to explore a possible partnership with Charter Oak State College in potentially developing online curriculum that would help high schools meet the financial literacy curriculum requirements and provide students with up to three college credits as well. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. That's what we were taught, service before self. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When is the last time you reached out for help? If you
2: or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment,
1: or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans
0: Affairs and the Ad Council. It's hurricane season, and your trees can be damaged by high winds. Green Valley Tree has you covered with our emergency tree service outside of our regular business hours. We offer emergency tree service by bucket, crane, and climbing for residential, commercial, and even municipalities across eastern Connecticut. From full tree removals, uprooted, or broken trees, to broken, hung up, or fractured tree limbs. Call our emergency hotline on 860-966-5710 or visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com.
1: Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week. Connecticut's Attorney General William Tong is undertaking a statewide tour to raise awareness about issues facing older adults in the state and to promote his department's Elder Justice Hotline. Tong visited residents at the Masonicare Senior Living Community in Mystic recently to talk about the increase in scams targeting older people. They don't target 20-year-olds in college who have to call their parents because they don't have two nickels to rub together. They call you because you have money, right? You worked hard your whole life, you make good decisions, you saved, you have cash. And that's why they target you. I have been saying lately, it's not that funny, but it's true, there's a scam for everyone. Tong also said that these issues are hard to report, often because of embarrassment or fear. We can share resources that if you're not willing to talk to law enforcement like us, and you want to talk to a counselor, or you just want somebody to talk to or get some other kind of help with healthcare or insurance or something, call us and start the conversation. You don't have to give your name, you don't have to give your number, but lean on us. According to the Coalition for Elder Justice in Connecticut, the annual loss by older adults of financial abuse and scams is estimated to be at least $36.5 billion across the nation, and cases of elder abuse remain vastly underreported, with only one in every 23 cases reported to protective services for the elderly. Tong said the Elder Justice hotline won't investigate specific issues but does act as a one-stop shop for people to be put in touch with the correct government agency or department who will be able to assist them. The Elder Justice hotline number is 860-808-5555 and is open Monday to Friday, 8am to 5pm. A new report finds Connecticut's economic growth is lagging post-pandemic. Edwin J. Vieira from the Connecticut News Service has a first look.
2: The data finds, using the pandemic-induced recession as a baseline, the state's non-farm employment has grown at a rate around 3% lower than the national average. It says this decline is due in part to slow growth in local and state government jobs, which were down in Connecticut by 10.5% between 2007 and 2023. Report author Patrick O'Brien with Connecticut Voices for Children describes one reason state job growth has lagged behind the nation.
1: Connecticut has a higher percentage of housing cost burdened households than the U.S. as a whole, which suggests that our housing affordability problem is even higher than the U.S. as a whole, and that's contributing to our slower growth problem.
2: He cites other reasons as well, including the unaffordability of most basics needed for people to live in the state. One recommendation in the report is to increase the supply of housing to help bring prices down. A National Association of Realtors report finds a family making $75,000 annually could only afford forward 23% of the homes for sale nationwide.
1: I'm Edwin J. Vieira. One of Connecticut's iconic shopping experiences turned 50 years old recently. Old Mystic Village in the town of Mystic opened its doors back in 1973 and was built in the style of a 1720s colonial village. Chris Regan is the current property manager of the village and took an emotional journey down memory lane of other iconic buildings that opened back then, especially the World Trade Center in New York. When we talk about it, it's the 50th anniversary being on that day is kind of remarkable to some degree but sad at the same time it gets me every time when we talk about it as september 11th 1973 is when we opened up and it just blows my mind that we shared the same date and that's why we put it on the 12th regan also acknowledged his mother who founded old mystic village and is stepping down to retire at the age of 86 for her entrepreneurial spirit Joyce olsen Reznikoff is Regan's mother and co-founded the village with her late father and says part of her mission was to empower women to own their own businesses.
0: But women back then couldn't get a bank loan without the husband's signature and uh, I never asked for financial statements. I wanted that person to feel, this is my dream. It was my dream 50 years ago and it still is.
1: Today, Old Mystic Village boasts around 50 shops, of which half of them are female-owned. The village is also one of the major tourist attractions in the region, helping Mystic become one of the top five summer destinations in the nation. (music)